good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. I uh, hope everybody's been having a great fall so far. Here in the Northeast, we've had wonderful weather and uh, hopefully there's a little bit more of it, but it's been summer temperatures. People are out there here in New York City wearing shorts again today. It's crazy, but it's going to rain tonight and I'm sure things will change because it's about due. Let me ask you a question though. Do you know how to find peace in this crazy, wild, chaotic, turbulent times? Well, if you want to know how and why and some methodology to do so, you've come to the right place. Because this evening on Guys Guys Radio, we have a special guest, Marisha Donna Ducharme, and she's going to talk to us about her new book called The Way Home to Love, A Guide to Peace in Turbulent Times. And it's really a fantastic book, and she's doing great work. And um, I'm going to bring her on in a few minutes and we're going to really get into some of the practices and the thinking behind the book and uh, not too much thinking, but some feeling and just being, and it's really some great work she's doing. And I'm glad to be able to introduce her to our audience here on guys, guys radio. Now guys, guys radio is all about, it's the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And it all started with my novel, the guys, guys guide to love. That's right. The guy's guy's guide to love uh, came out a couple of years ago. It's still available in some bookstores. Also, you can easily find it on Amazon and the e-tailers. And uh, it's about two men competing for love, sex, power and money in New York City. It's been called the male sex in the city. But ultimately, deep down and underneath it all, it's about love. And I'm very proud of the book. We've gotten fantastic reviews on it. And it it actually was a springboard for a lot of the guys, guys work that we're doing now. uh, And particularly guys, guys radio, all of our podcasts of guys, guys radio are available on iTunes, blog, talk, radio, tune in radio, Stitcher. And if you want to help us out here at guys, guys radio, uh, if you listen on iTunes, you can download all the, all of the podcasts, 245 of them uh, for free. And uh, you can subscribe, you can rate and review the podcast. It would be great for our listeners and for our guests to uh, rate and review the show because that really helps us get more ears to the show. And uh, we're out here spreading a positive message, better men, better world. When men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. You can also catch me, Robert Manny, at robertmanny.com where I do my blog. I posted um, approaching 300 thousand word blogs on all things having to do with life, love, and the pursuit of happiness through a guy's guy's lens. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube and I'm here for you and we're growing and it's a pleasure to be part of your listening uh, menu and listening uh, palette. So thank you for listening to Guys Guys Radio. We've got guest book through the end of the year, and there'll be lots more in 2018, and I'm thrilled you're here. So very quickly, what I'm going to do is just give a quick review of what's going on in the Guys Guys world. We're going to bring our special guest on after a brief uh, commercial pause, and then we're going to talk to our guest. And then later on in the show, I'm going to do our uh, weekly uh, segment, which we call our guys, guys guide, where we tackle one subject and we talk about it a little bit. And this week I'm going to talk about, um, through the guys, guys filter, um, the NFL protests, as well as Columbus day. 
because uh, it seems like everybody's so sensitive and things are really getting out of hand. And there's a lot of simple solutions to some problems that just become increasingly, particularly this NFL thing, where the players, can they kneel? Do they have to stand? And it's a private business and all this stuff. And then our president gets involved and it's, it's just becomes chaotic. And I think it's one more reason why we need to find a guy to peace in turbulent times and why our special guest is uh, uh, Marisha Donna Ducharme is going to really help us out. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a very quick break and then we'll bring her out in uh, just uh, one minute. Okay. Okay. We're back. Uh, guys, guys radio. Our special guest this evening is Marisha Donna Ducharme. Her uh, book is called the way home to love. It's a guide to peace and turbulent times. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, Marisha explores what is universally sacred and how to find within ourselves a wellspring of love and peace. Um, the, the body of work transcends religion by extracting essential wisdom teachings that are the foundational guide to the power of personal transformation. Uh, she posts a scenario which in a conclave of both theists and non-theists like Jesus, Buddha, Abraham, Muhammad, Confucius, meet in conversation to ask each other's spiritual point of view. Um, dedicated to living a simple and grateful life while sharing healing energies and sacred places with all, Marisha created this book from the talks and spiritual teachings given at gatherings and retreats at her Snow Dragon Sanctuary, a 200-acre off-the-grid sustainable community and farm on a mountaintop in New Hampshire. And if I could break down the book in one word, it would be breathe. It's all about um, breathing and it's so important. I'm one of these, I'm a huffing, puffing guy. So I got a lot out of the book and uh, uh, doing a golden seal uh, uh, breath exercise when I was going through the book. And it's just a fantastic book. And it's uh, breathing is really an important practice. And uh, all of us, particularly here in the Western culture, we, we, we use up a lot of breaths of our life too quickly. So let's uh, bring our special guest on right now. And we're going to talk about her book that I've gone through over the past week or so. And it's really fantastic. And it is actually book one. So let's bring out Marisha Donna Ducharme. Good evening. Welcome, <clears throat> excuse me, to Guys Guys Radio. Hi, good evening. How are you? I'm fantastic. And thank you so much for being on our show. Um, a great book you have here. Let's, uh, let's talk about it. Um, I decided just to get right to you and kind of skip over our uh, little overview of what's going on in the world because I'm going to dig into some of that during my guys, guys, guide. But the book to me um, is very uh, practical, uh, user-friendly, yet it has a very powerful uh, spiritual message. How, how did you uh, decide to, and what inspired you to actually write the book? Uh, according to the notes I read, um, I think somebody or your agent or, or your editor or somebody who's been listening to your lectures uh, said that, you know, these lectures would make a fine book. And I think they were correct. Yeah, that's, it, it happened pretty organically, even though I've been writing for a very long time and have a lot of published articles, I never seem to have time to get to the book. Um, so one of the uh, practitioners who was coming on a regular basis uh, started recording the discourses that we had uh, that I was giving. And then she was transcribing those and Eventually, she said, you know, let's put these together. Um, I think they could be of help, and let's, let's put them into a book. So uh, we worked, you know, we worked on the, uh, the transmissions. We did a lot of editing and filled in a lot of places and created the book. 
Okay. You talk about there's a lot of different uh, terms, and for our audience, um, which I consider uh, really smart people, but you know, kind of regular people who are looking for ways to um, expand their frequency, raise their frequency, and ascend a little bit. And um, so let's talk about some of the practices here. Um, what can their typical uh, reader who wants to just kind of begin their spiritual practice, if you will, um, get out of the book? What should they be looking for and what can they get out of this book? How can it help them? Well, I think that, that you really um, extracted the, the most basic and yet most powerful um, practice, and that's the breath work. Uh, it's very, very, you know, we breathe all day long and all night long, um, but we breathe unconsciously. Most of the time, we're not aware that we're breathing. So when we use the breath uh, as a uh, spiritual transformational tool, we become conscious of the breath. And there are different kinds of breathing techniques. And I, I outline in the book um, uh, one called the golden circle breath, which is very simple. Um, but if you, if you perform the breath correctly, uh, it begins to uh, allow you to go into a process of inner transformation. So breathing consciously becomes very, very powerful. It's the, connector or the doorway between yourself and the spiritual um, dimension. So let's that's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Let's, yeah. uh, let, let's talk that, about that some more because uh, I think if you could take any reader, correct me if I'm wrong, could take one thing out of this book, it would be uh, learning how to do the golden circle practice. And I read it and I'm one of those people who has to kind of do it to get it. And I did it a few times and I wasn't sure when I exhaled, can I open my mouth when I exhale? Do I have to do that through the nose also? But could you, in a step-by-step uh, for our audience, maybe, and I'm going to ask people who are listening out there, some people listening in a car all, and all of that, uh, I wouldn't be meditating or doing this type of thing when you're behind the wheel. But for other people who are at home or relaxing, whatever, could you uh, please take us through the practice of the uh, healing circle? Yes. Sacred and I'll, I'll- Yes, I'll, I'll do the short form. And the short form is that we want to become aware of the back of our throat so that mm-hmm. when we inhale, we're actually inhaling through the nose, not through the mouth. And we're pulling the breath in through the nostrils from the back of our throat. So it almost sounds like a tire is inflating. Uh, there's a sound of... And then we push the air out, back out of the nostrils with the back of the throat. And this is the this is the beginning of the golden circle breath. And just getting that dynamic down of using the throat center correctly um, is really important. It's it's actually very simple. You know, if I had everybody in a classroom, I I could go around in a moment and have everybody listen to me and then I could check everybody very quickly. But if you just practice the sound of the breath in the back of the throat, breathing in, long inhalation, filling up the lower belly, belly and then the upper chest, and mm-hmm. then exhaling fully, uh, then that's the beginning of the golden circle breath. And how how do you kind of encapsulate yourself then? I think there was a uh, a little bit more to it where you kind of put this kind of circle around you? Yes. 
you you actually um, you're breathing the breath uh, down all the way down to the root chakra, and mm-hmm. then you're breathing it up to the crown. So you're actually creating a, a, a an arc of of golden light. You're visualizing as you're breathing in, breathing in golden light, and you create a, a golden circle uh, around you as you breathe in from the root chakra up to the crown, as you breathe out from the crown and back, back down to the root chakra. Got it. Okay. Um, when you were working on this book, what type of uh, guidance did you get from spirit to be able to put this together in a way that was so easily digestible for the reader, but also, I mean, I think it's very well written in that. Like every sentence is like a quote almost. Uh, it's just beautiful. Uh, some of your prose in there. Uh, h- how did you kind of tap into spirit and be guided when you during the process? Well, that's exactly how I work. Um, when when I do discourses, which are times when we're together in a group situation, and I'm giving a general teaching. I I always uh, open with a prayer. I always open calling in all the powers of love and beauty that be. Um, And then I go into a kind of a meditative um, state for a few minutes while we all breathe and, and, and ground and relax together. And that for me um, makes my connection. And then I listen. Um, And when I listen, uh, I will begin to hear um, what to say. And so I have to get out of the way and um, mm-hmm. open up and receive, and that's how I bring forth the message. So theoretically then, for all of us, if we're, and so many people are looking for answers or looking for their alignment to their truth or looking for their life purpose or looking for that inspiration for how to, you know, write the right the, a book or a screenplay or whatever, uh, if you can get out of your own way, that seems to be a key. And uh, it seems also that part of uh, the challenge that we have, particularly, I guess, in our uh, chaotic society is that um, all this monkey chatter and everything and the way we behave is very reactive uh, where people fall into patterns uh, that are ego driven. And then we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And according to the book, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, that's, you know, we're here for kind of karma school and you're not going to get anywhere if your reactive mind is leading all the time. And if you can't get out of your own way and let the answers that are available come in. That's, that's exactly right. Um, really when, when you're, uh, deciding to uh, pursue spirituality and to try to move yourself along, um, there comes a time when you have to begin to learn how to discern within yourself um, what is born of your ego and what is born of your soul. Because Mm -hmm. the ego wants to have its own way. It has its own agenda. It has its own ideas, and it's usually uh, tied to you know, our programming and our habitual way of thinking. And we're usually positioning ourselves, you know, for the best, uh, for the best viewpoint. But the soul, which is the higher aspect of ourselves, is the part of ourselves that is connected to the divine. And mm-hmm. the soul is the part of us that can receive guidance and um, 
and really bring us into our direct connection to spirit. And so, so what I do a lot is just try to help people learn how to go within to just link, make the soul connection and then open, you know, to what, to what they're being told, what's coming in and really just get out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the ego we think of as really the unconscious forces and, and the soul is the, the higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. And we need, we need both. It's just how to, how to manage them. And it seems like in our third dimension uh, lives, the, the ego uh, is so desperate for survival that uh, it kind of sometimes prevents us from getting connected to our higher selves and spirit. Is that true? Yes, yes. And, and and it is true what you said that we do need both. Um, you know, in order to work in the world, uh, to serve whatever it is we're called to do, you know, w- the the ego also contains our our personality and the qualities that we have as a human being. So it's really about um, you know balancing uh, the force of the ego with the higher conscious higher consciousness forces. Mm-hmm. Now. Um... There's a couple of terms in here I want to th- uh, uh, that are mentioned in the book that I find very uh, uh, interesting and I think would be great for our listeners. Uh, one, you talk about the assemblage point, and it's interesting because mm-hmm. I saw that the first time I read about assemblage points was when I read the Carlos Castaneda books way back when, and uh, when he was working with his uh, teacher, if you will, this guy Don Juan. Um, he used to hit him in the back of the shoulder, sh- shoulder blade, and that was his assemblage point, and that would be able to kind of move him into a different level of reality, if you will, and then he'd be open to be able to learn. Um, how do you define, does that make sense, and how do you define the assemblage point, and what is the importance of it? Well, the assemblage point is, okay, so the, the, the first part, part one, is we align with the breath. And as we align with the breath, we begin to soften, we begin to relax, we begin to open. And with every exhale, we let go. Um, We let go of tension. We let go of whatever there is to let go of. And with every inhalation, we're we're connecting that bridge to spirit. Um, And so as we continue to breathe, we are filling ourselves up with the breath, which is uh, which is light. Um, the, the breath holds light. And so as we go deeper, uh, we naturally, the light starts to coalesce inside of our consciousness. And this is what the, the assemblage point of light is. It's a, it's a uh, part of the process um, which brings us ever deeper into our connection with spirit. And then once we have had this light coalesce in and around us, the golden circle light, um, and then the assemblage point of light, we go into the resonance of the still point, which is a place inside of us that is deeply integrated, uh, deeply peaceful, and healing. And this is, this, is, this is how we touch and find and realize and feel this uh, source within us, this wellspring uh, of light within us. We have to make the journey in. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned in the book that uh, so many of us have, you know, when we have issues on the outside, meaning we, people piss us off and, you know, just problems with the day-to-day stuff, that it's, uh, 
we need to go inside to, we need to do two things. One, we need to breathe and not react. And then uh, because part of our karma is we get things thrown at us that we have to keep dealing with until we get neutralize them, if you will. And then we have to go inside to solve the issues on the outside. Could you elaborate that if I'm correctly articulated that? Yeah. um, uh, You articulated that really, really well. It appears to us in our, in our unconsciousness that the reason that we might be frustrated or having a hard time are because of outside sources. It could be the boss was in a bad mood at work and now we feel bad it could be there's not enough money coming in and we're afraid. It could be somebody got sick. So we feel like like everything is coming at us from the outside and that the outside uh, experiences are the reason that we are upset or stressed. Um, but, but it's really not true. That's an illusion. Um, inside each one of us, we have this ability to be able to transcend um, all of those chaotic forces. And we just have to know how to get there. It's, uh, it's just like learning how to drive a car. You know, you mm-hmm. can drive a car once you learn how. You can neutralize the stresses uh, of life once you know how. And so it's really what happens is it's what our reaction to the stressor is. That's what causes our suffering. So if the boss mm-hmm. is in a bad mood and that presses a button in me, then I'm going to be upset by that environment. But if, if the boss is in a bad mood, but I have a mechanism inside of me that can not react, just simply breathe and respond and stay neutral, then I can be in that turbulent um, environment and I can stay calm and peaceful. So we can do so much more than we know. Um, and we always think if I you know, get a divorce or if I change my job or if I have a child, things will be better. But the truth is, is that it's the alchemical process that we have to take ourselves through inside that brings us peace and happiness. Mm-hmm. So... Uh... Easier said than done, and I'm sure you would agree with that. Now, here we are in New York City, and I've noticed uh, as, I, as I'm a regular guy on a spiritual quest leading a regular life that I notice more and more how, I'm going to say this in quotes, crazy the behavior is of a lot of people here. And I think this everybody's just getting stretched and stretched and stretched, and there's so much uh, between media um, the fear mongering and then people playing video games, which is just totally uh, propagating this reactive mind thing because I see adults uh, sitting on the subway and they're playing these little games like bing, 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 bing. And it's just, it's, uh, it's like shocking to me that it's almost like we, we're not evolving uh, enough as a, as a group, but there are people out there who are, of course. And I guess my point is, um, here I am in New York and you're up in New Hampshire, which I love New Hampshire. Um, is, am I, have I kind of my karmic, uh, uh, learning has to do with, I need to deal with the stuff I have to deal with every day and all these, all the craziness here, because that's something I need to learn or is it just random where, you know, just leave, go someplace else. 
Well, I think that the practices are for anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. They can be for a quiet, small rural town. They can be for a very large, chaotic, big city. Um, but because, you know, when life happens to each one of us, it happens in ways that seem particularly stressful no matter where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so a lot of that is simply choice, you know, where you choose to live and what, right. what environment you want to be in. Um, but I'm saying you can be peaceful anywhere. Got it. I'm saying you can be peaceful anywhere. It's a matter mm-hmm. of your inner inner territory, uh, not your outer circumstance. Now, for uh, for the day-to-day person, the regular person, um, you know, we get up in like 10 minutes after we're up, people are drinking coffee, they have to get to work, they're all ramped up. Um, I personally have evolved over time, and I get up, the first thing I do is I do a bunch of affirmations. I do anything I can to kind of help me uh, recognize the divinity in everybody I'm going to deal with during the day and also align myself as best I can to my truth. And then at the end of my day, I will show gratitude and thank the spirit for everything I've been able to learn. I make sure I do that. If I don't do anything else spirit driven during the day, at least I know I started the day right. I ended the day right. For those of our listeners who are out there and who want to get into some type of uh, what you would refer to as a sadhana, spiritual practices, um, would that be a good start? Or can you recommend some ways for people to kind of get on the right track? Because what happens is the alarm goes off and people start drinking coffee and then they're grabbing something on the way to work or eating bad food or whatever. And it's really, and then off all the, the next eight hours, they're doing stuff that they probably don't want to be doing anyhow. What yeah, can people do so, to get more joy and connect yeah, with spirit? So, yeah, you do have to, you know, make a decision. You have to make a choice. It's, it's, it's kind of like this. You know, um, most people choose to brush their teeth every day because they know it's good for them. It's good for their overall mm-hmm. health, and so they brush their teeth. Well, you know, having a 15-minute uh, segment in the morning where you can uh, connect and make a prayer or you can sit down and, follow one of the meditations or the breath mm-hmm. uh, in the book, uh, is it's a, it's a commitment that you have to make and give to yourself before you hit the ground running. And it. It, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. It can be something, just like you said, something very simple, but you return there every morning before you, before you, you know, go off. You give yourself that connection. You give yourself that time and that alignment. And then hopefully at the end of the day, when you come home from work, you can do the same thing for another 10 or 15 minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. Very very simple, very simple start and very simple practice. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not profound. It's, it's, It's extraordinarily profound to make that connection. It will change the whole course of your day and it will change the whole course of your life. I think I think you're right. So thank you for that. Um, you also talk about a term that a lot of people think is food, uh, tapas, but it's really a lot more than that. Could you talk <laughs> about tapas a little bit? <laughs> yeah, the, um, the the tapas is actually a very advanced practice, and tapas is where we are learning internally how to take up that pressure that we have built up inside of ourselves, the, the tension, you know, the reaction, uh, the stress, 
And when we are sitting in meditation and we're aligning with the breath, we're bringing in the light on the breath and we're becoming very, very still, we will begin to enter into a process where we start to observe um, how we are. We will observe maybe that we're very tired. Perhaps we will observe that our mind is worrying about how am I going to pay the taxes. But from this place where we're actually observing ourselves, which is called the witness, um, we start to use the breath very deliberately. And the light, which is in the breath, actually starts to burn up the stress. Mm-hmm. And so so you can look like you're just sitting there with your eyes closed, but there can be a great deal of transformation happening inside. And tapas really comes um, and, and enters in when you have really made a sustained commitment to a regular meditation practice, you know, every day, morning mm-hmm. and, and evening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you t- also talk about, uh, and you mentioned it briefly, the witness consciousness, um, which uh, kind kind of is for for our listeners, uh, you know, being able to kind of step outside yourself and watch, observe yourself non-judgmentally what you're doing and what's how That's you're interacting right. with people and things. And uh, sometimes, you know, you have to be mindful of that, but you don't want to be, you know, overthinking everything. Could you help us out with that? Yeah, the witness is not part of the mind. It's not part of the um, mental body. It's, uh, the witness is an aspect of the self that um, dwells in your higher consciousness. And it, it's completely neutral. It doesn't judge anything. So if you're sitting in meditation and you're having a hard time, say that you just went to the doctor and um, he or she wants you to have a test uh, for cancer and you're very, very nervous about that. You can, when you sit in your meditation, mm-hmm. the witness consciousness allows you to observe your feelings of fear and tension that are coming up over this worry. And it just neutrally allows you to bring the breath in to help stabilize those currents that are terrifying. Mm-hmm. And if you, you bring the breath in at that time, the breath changes your chemistry. It actually changes and transforms your internal chemistry, and it will neutralize the charge that you're feeling in your emotions. And so that's how the witness consciousness works on our behalf. And again, everyone has it. Um, It's just a matter of being introduced to it and learning how to begin to practice it, and it works on your behalf all the time once you engage it. Now, you have worked with people for years and years, and uh, so many people come to your sanctuary. What do you notice as, uh, and should I refer to you as Mar- Marisha or Donna? Which one do you, you want can, to be called? You can, uh, Marisha. Okay, Marisha. Do, do, what, what are the, the usual suspects, if you will? What are the main problems that you uh, notice that people have in kind of uh, working with their spiritual ascension? Well, to, to realize a lot of people have a lot of um, pie in the sky, <laughs> is what I call it, ideas about spirituality. And the mm-hmm. truth is, is that um, spirituality is hard work. 
and you're you're really yeah. trying to transform your unconscious um, behavior, and you're not aware of it because it's unconscious to you. So it's a little bit tricky because you're trying to enter into a transformational process, but you don't even fully know all of the parts of yourself yet anyway. And so it does require that you that you enter into some practices that stimulate the unconscious up to consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that, that's actually what spiritual transformation is. And so when we, when we say, yes, you know, I want to I become conscious, well, don't you know that spirit will give you the, the experiences that will indeed uh, begin to transform you, but they usually come in the form of challenges. You know, that's so true. Uh, I, uh, three years ago, I was out running and I had tremendous pains in my side and I had to go lay down and I was in incredible discomfort for about six hours. And then the same thing happened the next day. And I got a CAT scan. I had a kidney stone, but then I had to get robotic surgery on both of my kidneys. I something who thinks about their kidneys and uh, was like not a great experience. But in retrospect, I came out the other side and it was something that now I realize it was necessary. It was almost paying my dues for my lifestyle in the past. And in a way I have had the um, opportunity to look into the abyss that a lot of people don't get and come out of it Mm -hmm. as a better person and much better prepared and able to do things. And I have a, everything's so much better in so many different ways for me now. Um, It's still, I'm working on aligning myself to my truth. So the other things that I want to fill in will, will happen without a lot of effort. But uh, to your point, adversity can bring uh, such learning that, um, you know, a lot of times people get into things like, Oh, the, you know, I'm going to battle this sickness or this or that. And, you know, sicknesses, uh, illness, you don't necessarily need to battle them. You need to recognize them and then ask, thank them and then ask them to leave. But we're in this society where it seems like, you know, everything's about confrontation. And I don't, I don't think it really has to be that way. Help, help me out with that. No, I, I, think, I think that's true. I, I don't think it has to be about co- confrontation. I think it has to be more about surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when something comes like that, yes, it's a challenge and it's difficult, but we have to surrender to what is. And if we surrender to what is, then, you know, we're not guarding ourselves against something. We're not combating. We're not fighting. And, and we're also staying aware and conscious at the same time. And I think, I think that's what we call mindfulness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people will yeah. say that, um, uh, sorry, uh, will say, you know, oh, surrender. That means I give up and I have to fight this, but it's not about giving up. But I think there's a, a fine line between how you articulate and define surrender versus, versus uh, giving up because surrender is a good thing. Um, and a lot of people say, oh no, surrender is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not talking about surrendering, like giving up at all. Um, I don't think that's surrender. I think that's giving up. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when when I say surrender, you see, surrender is a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's the opposite of giving up. Uh, we choose. Uh, we choose to accept what is coming to us. 
whatever the situation may be. So for you at that time when you were going through that physical uh, stuff with your kidneys, you know, you could get into a, you know, a fight or flight mode with it and say you're going to battle it and you're going to overcome it and you can be very tense and afraid or you can actually make a conscious choice to accept what is coming to you and then gracefully go through the experience. That's really what surrender is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's, 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 it sounds like it's inactive, but it's a conscious choice that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, uh, because they have day-to-day, you know, uh, conscious mind and conscious day-to-day issues, they uh, find it hard to find uh, appreciation and gratitude. But it's it's there, and I, I want you to. I just want to tell a very quick story, but I want you to help our audience out with this. Um, I did this. I'm um, taking a psychic development course with somebody, and the, they gave me a little bit of a, an exercise to do, and I thought nothing of it. Yet it turned out to be super powerful. Basically, you imagine yourself in your room, and you imagine when the walls were being painted, and you get into the feeling through your mind's eye of the paint and the person painting the walls, and then you take yourself throughout your place of residence and then you go out the window and you go up on like a cloud and you're there with somebody you don't know who that is and then you kind of look back on what's going on and I thought nothing of it but then I was up there and I was with a presence and I looked in and I noticed that my gosh I have a family I was single for so long I have this this so much love and uh, uh, joy and abundance in in my life. And I, I'm so appreciative of all of that. And I went back in there and I was like, so grateful for everything. And then I, I realized that the, the presence that I was with was my higher self was pointing this out mm-hmm. to me in a very nice mm-hmm. way. But you know, the point is, I guess, is that so many people have a uh, challenge are challenged to find the appreciation of uh, their lives, uh, even though their lives might not seem like the lives that you see sometimes on TV or whatever, in terms of you know, like you live in a beautiful mansion and you don't have any problems and money's flowing and all of that. But we all have a lot of things to be uh, thankful for. How can people be more um, open to being uh, showing their gratitude to spirit? You know, there's, there's just something so simple that um, I encourage people to do. And um, you can do it one of two ways. One is to uh, close your eyes and, you know, breathe, get relaxed, get into that inner space, and then literally just begin to count your blessings. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. grateful for my husband. I'm, I'm grateful, you know, for my life. Um, you know, thank you for my work in the world. Uh, uh, thank you for my mother and father. It goes on and on. Mm-hmm. When you start to open that up, and you, in the beginning, you know, you have to kind of think about it a little bit. But yeah. then as you work with, when you work with counting your blessings, your heart starts to open. And, and all of a sudden, a flood of gratitude will come in because you begin to feel um, all of your blessings. And you can also just simply do it by it, taking a piece of paper and begin by writing, writing them down. And then just continue, you know, continue to stay with it. What are you thankful for? And literally count your blessings. Now, um, since, excuse me, I have an ambulance outside the studio because I live near uh, Mount Sinai. So invariably oh, yeah. during the show, one of the ambulances goes by. So sorry about that. Um, but That's okay. what? how has your life changed 
um, since you've been on the spiritual path? Uh, well, my, my life um, has just been an extraordinary life. Uh, I started a spiritual path when I was a very young woman. Um, I've been really committed, you know, to my, to my path. It's my life's work and it's my, my life's quest, both. Um, so I feel every day uh, so grateful and so connected uh, to, to God and, and to spirit. Um, uh, so for me, it's just, it's my life. It's, it's who I am. It's what I, it's, it's who I am. It's what Got I it. do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, um, you know, the, the old saying is, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher shows up. How important is it uh, for people who are on a spiritual path to have a teacher? Or can it be just your exposure? Like, for instance, I'm host of Guys Guys Radio. We deal with relationship experts, but also we deal with so many spiritual uh, authors and people, spiritual practitioners, that it's like I'm getting this free education here. Uh, while doing the work to expose uh, the, all the good work of uh, my guests. How important is it to have a teacher? I know you had a teacher, but for others, uh, you've had a number of teachers, but for others, do you have to have a, a, a human teacher, so to speak? Well, yes and no. I mean, no, you do not have to have a teacher, and you can still, um, you know, have a very wonderful connection and have some good inner experiences. But having a teacher, I, I believe, helps to accelerate the process very deeply. Um, because, you know, there's this, this transference. In my tradition, the spiritual tr- tradition that I come from, um, my spiritual teacher uh, took me into his lineage. And so so that means that I get the benefit of all of those thousands of years of of spiritual right. resonance um, mm-hmm. that I get to that I get to be plugged into through him, and so that that really quickened my path. That really quickened, you know, what my soul has gone through in this lifetime. So you don't have to have a teacher, um, and you can still do very very well. But having a teacher really accelerates things. Okay. Uh, I have one last question for you, and then I want to you tell us, our listeners, about your the sanctuary. But um, So in the past year or so, what's the most recent thing on your spiritual path that you learned? Like, wow, all these years I've been doing this, and I just this is something new I just learned. What would that be? Uh, <laughs> uh, what it would be, I would say, is how to be you, – you already brought it up – how to wake up in the morning – and how to give thanks uh, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, let it be the first thing that I do as I wake up and give thanks for my life and mm-hmm. understand that every, everything that comes to me in, in the course of my day is coming to me from spirit. And it is for me and for me to accept everything just as it is. And to be very simple, you know, I'm probably more simple than I've ever been. And, um, and that brings me great joy. It's, it's great, brings me great wonder. Got it. Okay. If you could, Marisha, talk to us about um, the sanctuary, your mountaintop retreat in New Hampshire, 
and also uh, where our uh, listeners can find your the Snow Dragon Sanctuary uh, and where they can find more about you and your book, et cetera. So uh, if people go to our website, which is snowdragonsanctuary.com, um, you'll be able to just, you know, get some general info about the sanctuary and uh, you can go to Amazon to order the book or you can order it. Uh, there's a link right at our website as well to go right to Amazon um, and be able to order the book. And the sanctuary is a, a contemplative center. It's for all faiths, all traditions. Uh, there's no doctrine or dogma. It's uh, simply spiritual in nature, contemplative in nature. Uh, the practices are, uh, you know, meditation and, and movement, yoga. Uh, we do some retreats, and uh, I also do uh, some one-on-one work and trainings with people. Mm-hmm. And well, it's really for the person who wants to uh, be able to, you know, go into an environment where um, you enhance your uh, ability to to relax and to to go within. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing fantastic work. And I have to tell you, just reading this book, I can't tell you the amount of times I stopped and said, wow, that's a great sentence. And then here's another great sentence. It's like uh, there, you know, you have to be willing. To, you Here's one. I just opened the book randomly. Page six. You have to be willing to be a fool for love. You have to be willing to change your position because your position is your ego. You have to be willing to be seen and be used. What is it to be used, et cetera. But every sentence, there's a... There's a musicality and there's a beauty to uh, the, the words and sentences. They're charged. This book, I got to tell you, I read a lot of books and these and spiritual books, and this is a keeper. And I'm going to go back and read this slowly. But um, your book is charged, and uh, you've done a um, wonderful job. And I'm glad that it's book one. Oh, you know that's uh, it was really written with uh, you know uh, meditative awareness, and so. I, I have to say that spirit works in wonderful ways, and I'm I'm the mouthpiece, but I give it all to spirit. Got it. Well, listen, thank you so much, Marisha, for being our honored guest on Guys Guys Radio. The book is The Way Home to Love, A Guide to Peace in Turbulent Times. Marisha Donna Ducharme, book one, founder of the Snow Dragon Sanctuary. Uh, I think you're doing great work, and I'm really honored that you came on the show, and thank you so much, and I hope you come back when book two is ready. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and I appreciate uh, being able to talk about it. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks so much. All right, folks. That was our special guest this evening, Marisha Donna Ducharme, and um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back. As I mentioned, I'm going to talk about Columbus Day and the NFL protests for our Guys, Guys, Guide segment. Okay. We're back. And as I mentioned, uh, we're going to do Guys, Guys, Guide. I usually uh, do it as a topic of one of my blog posts, but I just was compelled to tackle these two subjects that seem to be dominating the media. So I'm going to do one at a time. The first, because it was yesterday, is Columbus Day. And I have uh, uh, Italian-American heritage as well as some other things. But um, at home, you know, we basically were about 75% Italian in the Manny family. And... um, So we consider ourselves like Italian-Americans. And there's been uh, all this hoopla about, I know there's a whole thing with the statues and Robert E. Lee and uh, uh, some of the uh, issues that have been occurring over the last couple of months, and that's carried over to, well, who else are there statues of? Uh, How about Columbus? 
Well, the fact of the matter is, and I'm Italian, is that, you know what? Columbus was a mass murderer. Uh, he was courageous in that he, you know, they thought the, back in Columbus's time, they thought that the world was a lot smaller. And he thought he could get to Asia by, you know, heading out uh, uh, west uh, from Europe. And uh, he ended up in the Caribbean, basically. And then he went back to uh, Europe and uh, he got more boats and they came back again. And uh, in the interim, they basically mass murdered uh, and treated the uh, indigenous uh, locals in the Caribbean of uh, Haiti and uh, the Dominican Republic, I believe, and uh, uh, some other islands that he, uh, he landed on uh, uh, just miserably uh, and just, the, uh, just horrible, horrible mass murders, thousands upon thousands of local people. Um, so it was really terrible times. And uh, as an Italian-American, um, I'm proud of my heritage, as most Italian-Americans are, particularly in New York City. And there's so much uh, contributions that uh, Italian-Americans have given the city and as well as the United States and well as the world, going from Rome all the way to now. But along the way, there's been some, you know, some questionable characters. And to have a whole day devoted to Columbus if you're Italian, and some people are very indignant about it. Um, I was watching uh, Good Day in New York the other day, and one of the hosts, Rosanna Scotto, lovely woman, and she's been on the show for years, and they were talking about Columbus, and she's like, well, uh, I, I wouldn't uh, encourage that type of behavior. And I'm thinking, watching, I'm like, encourage? He's a mass murderer. What are you talking about, encourage? Uh, and, uh, and then Joe Piscopo, uh, the comedian, going so crazy about, you know, leave our statue of Columbus alone and Columbus, blah, 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 and Italians. Here I am. I'm Italian, and Columbus means nothing to me. I'm glad he sailed over here. That took a lot of guts, but his behavior is abhorrent, and there's so many other good Italians and good things that have been done by uh, Italians and Italians-Americans that I say change the name of the holiday to Italian-American Heritage Day. And also set up a new holiday for indigenous people of America, whether they be Native Americans or people in the Caribbean, whatever. The people that were here before the Westerners came here, there should be a special holiday for them because they were here before all of us. And you want to talk about making America great again. Well, they were the first ones here, not us. So that's my easy solution. And you know what? So they take Columbus out of Columbus Day. Fine. He was around in 1492. He did some bad things. We know about it now. Accept the truth and move on. It's not that big a deal. What do we do with the statues? I'm not sure. Over time, maybe they get replaced. But for right now, I'd say leave them, but let's not be celebrating. First step is let's stop celebrating somebody who was a mass murderer. And he did it systematically with his brother. Uh, and let's just celebrate the positive aspects of Italian heritage. That's number one. Now we get to the NFL and the uh, whole uh, uh, whole issue and the conflict and the uh, uh, this whole thing with uh, the you know not being able should the players be able to kneel? Is it a question about what what if they're demonstrating their displeasure with some of the racial relations in the U.S.? Uh, is it their right, a First Amendment right, to do that? Can the owner say, well, this is a place of business, and uh, we say you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem, and then the president has uh, weighed in on that, and he's really putting the wood to the NFL, and uh, it looks like the owners are kind of capitulating, and now the players are upset, and Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, basically said, you know, you won't play if you uh, kneel. 
And, you know, that's a challenge. Now, what if the whole offensive line of the Dallas Cowboys decides to kneel? What are you going to do? You're not going to put them out there and play? You're not going to play the game? You know, it's interesting that uh, in years past, the players didn't even come out of the tunnel until after the national anthem and the pledge, uh, the national anthem was played. So um, I think everybody's got to take a chill pill on this. And for right now, I, I think what's happened is the more we discuss it, and I know we want to discuss issues, but the more we're making it a bigger issue than it is. People who kneel down during the national anthem aren't being unpatriotic. They're making a statement about their displeasure with certain things about our country and the first amendment protects that. And people who fought wars want to protect that freedom that we have. The president needs to stay out of it and focus on some other big issues. The players I think should be allowed to do that. I think after over time, they will have gotten that out of their system. If nobody's telling them, no, you can't do it then they probably won't do it anymore. And if they do, they do it. So what? You play the national anthem. If you want to stand, you stand. The players want to take a knee as they uh, get a message out there about some issues in this country that are unsatisfactory and understandable, fine. That's their right. If the owners want to say, this is my business, you're not allowed to do that, that is their right also, but you're going to get some backlash and you're just going to create more problems. So I'd say, everybody take a step back, Understand the other side's thinking. Take a chill pill. Let's not make a big issue out of it. It'll dissipate over time. The more fuel we put on the fire, the bigger the fire gets. So that's my guys' guys' perspective on Columbus Day, as well as the uh, NFL. And it's going to go into other sports also, uh, in terms of taking a knee or not during the national anthem. So we have a great country, and part of our country is based on uh, the fact of. Uh, being able to protest. I mean, look at how we, the Boston Tea Party, taxation without representation, throwing the tea into the harbor. It was all a protest. Does this mean people were being unpatriotic to England? No, actually, it means that they were uh, making a statement saying we want our freedom and uh, we got it. And now we have to protect those freedoms. So let's everybody relax on the pledge, <laughs> the national anthem and the flag. And, uh, and also the other thing about the flag is look at all the commercialization to make the almighty dollar using, using the flag imagery. Now we're getting very, uh, uh, you know, it's all about the flag. People fought for the flag. Well, people didn't fight for the flag per se. The flag is the thing. People fought for our country and our freedoms. So let's protect those freedoms. That's my guys, guys perspective. You may agree with it. You may not agree with it. I respect your opinion. I hope you can understand mine. And I think the way is to just like, let people do their thing. Every time you try to repress people, you create an issue and things grow bigger. And just look at every aspect of our society. Anytime you try to squash something, it just comes back bigger and bigger. So keep that in mind. So anyhow, that's our show for this evening. I've enjoyed being with you once again. I thank all my listeners out there uh, listening to Guys Guys Radio. We'll be, I think we've got like four relationship experts coming up in the next four uh, podcasts. So we look forward to that. And I thank you, and I would like to end the show once again by saying what I usually say, which is, guys, guys, finish first.